You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Try the texts at 231-714-4195 to send in questions for the show. You can also message us on Twitter. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. We do have some listener questions to get to today. Looking forward to that. Uh, what we're doing today is a self-scout of the Packers, because that's what the Packers are doing themselves this week. Uh, presumably, uh, Nathaniel Hackett and uh, Joe Barry are going to be analyzing each other's game and picking that apart and looking for vulnerabilities and weaknesses. That's what we're going to do today. We're also going to talk about uh, the MVP race. What was the third topic we said we were going to do today, Gil? Oh, boy. I got to go find that now. Oh, I got it. Uh, we were going to talk about uh, the playoff picture yes. and who's surging. And, and part of that is going to include uh, divisional um, analysis a little bit. Not Ooh. not a ton to look at there, except that Khalil Mack is done for the year. Which yeah, is, yeah. Which is Almost meaningless because the Bears are basically done for the year, except that we do have to play the Bears again. So it's nice to know. Pretty soon, too. Yeah, that's our next game. Yeah, our next game. We do have to weigh in on score predictions from last week. Uh, We had an interesting one because for the first time in show history, I uh, projected the Packers to lose while Gil projected them to win. The few times in our show's history that I have ever bet against the Packers, Gil also bet against the Packers. So uh, how does it feel um, to be on this side of the argument this time? Hey, if the Packers won, I'm happy. And, and me getting getting it right is just gravy. Uh, we had a, an interesting thing that we discovered when we were adding this up. So my score prediction was 21 to 24. Yours was 24 to 21. And because we had the same numbers, uh, that means that even though you correctly got the winner of the game correct uh you didn't gain any ground on me in points i'm still three (laughs) points ahead you'd think three points would be easy to surge past uh and i thought about giving you some extra credit for getting the winner of the game right but there have been times this year where you had the correct score prediction and you got the winner wrong we didn't dock you anything for that and didn't give me points in those uh situations where i had you know anyways point point being you don't get Jack. <laughs> Who's Jack? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's just dive into uh, the, into the Packers. Here's what we're going to do today. We are not going to talk about guys like Devontae Adams who are good and you know they're good. It's a waste of time. Uh, we're going to talk about guys that are liabilities in some way or another Uh, that could be exploited by opponents. And we're also going to weigh in on some guys that you might think are really good. And we haven't checked in on them in a while and they are no longer playing at a high level. That is uh, never fun to do, but there are some guys on that list. You think you want to say something? Yeah, no, let's keep going. You're doing good. Okay. All right. (laughs) 
well, here, here's the guy I want to start with, actually. Devondre Campbell had a just flaming hot start to the year. He is still uh, one of PFF's highest graded linebackers on the season because of his hot start. Unfortunately, his play quality has been going down a bit. And one of the things that has been included in that is he started missing some tackles, which is pretty uncharacteristic of him. And you won't, you won't really have noticed that so much because a couple of other linebackers have stepped up. Um, Chris Barnes has been playing the best football out of the linebackers over the last few weeks. Uh, Oren Burks though, surprisingly has been doing not so bad himself basically since week eight, he only had one bad game and that was in week 11 against Minnesota when basically nobody played well on defense. Right. Uh, but Kudos to Oren Burks. Um, here's here's my quick take on Devondre Campbell. Still love him. Still enjoy watching him play, watching him tackle. I, I think that he's a, when he doesn't miss the tackle, which has been an issue recently, I like that uh, when a guy meets Devondre, he stops. There is no run after contact with Devondre. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is just wild to see from any player, but especially a Packers linebacker. That's just crazy to watch. And, you know, looking at the fact that Chris Barnes and Oren Burks have been playing so well this year uh, and that Devondre Campbell, who historically has never been a great linebacker. I mean, we in the in the uh, offseason, we talked about some things in Devondre's game that we thought were indicators of why he could have success here in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But really, clearly, it has to do with how Joe Barry uses these linebackers. And I am at a point now where I would actually be excited to see us, you know, burn like a, a second round pick on a linebacker this year and mm-hmm. get somebody who really has, uh, you know, that high end athleticism that people have wanted for years. And I've never been interested in it because I just didn't feel like. Packers knew how to use linebackers. Well, now we do. Sure, let's go out and get our own Micah Parsons. That would be fantastic. I'm kind of there. Uh, Gil, what do you make of the linebacker room right now? Uh, you know, if you're talking solely about the inside linebackers at this point, rather yeah. than the edge yeah. rushers, no. inside, I- I'm pretty happy with it from the standpoint that I know that it is not a priority position according to management and that I, I think Barnes is a, a smart player and still has room for upside. I think Campbell is, you know, like you mentioned, you don't get runs after con- uh, yards after contact with Campbell. And another statistic about Campbell that I always have liked is just, you know, when when you catch a pass in his area, when mm-hmm. when running backs and tight ends go out. They don't get yards after the catch. It's like if they make the catch, he's right there and he makes the stop and there's no additional gain. And after watching, you know, Blake Martinez and a number of other less well-known, uh, you know, BJ Goodsons and, and, and the like, uh, you know, make a lot of tackles after five yards or more were gained. Having these two heady, well-coached, disciplined and intelligent inside linebackers just being efficient and consistent 
it's a big step. And I think Joe Barry is doing a good job of teaching them where they need to be. And these guys are doing a good job of executing it. So I have to say that the play of the inside linebackers this year is one of the reasons this defense has done better this year than it has in recent years. I would agree with that. I, I will talk about the defensive line in a bit, but I also uh, outside of the last couple of weeks, which we do have to highlight, I have felt like the defensive line has also done a good job of taking care of business up front so that the linebackers don't have to help them all the time. Yep. And they are free to make some plays in other ways, whether that is in coverage, whether that is um, doing uh, their extra bit to help seal off the edge. Those things have um, been added to the arsenal of what can the Packers defense do? Because the last few years, the defensive line has not been able to um, get the job done on their own. They've needed that help from linebackers. I, w- I also, I-, I will say about the inside linebackers early on in the season, it felt like we were seeing some creativity on linebacker blitzes. And I'd like to get back to that a little bit. Uh, it's it's gone down a bit, and I feel like it is really effective. It, even Oren Burks is a guy who has uh, found success on blitzes. Uh, that was a little bit more in the preseason than in the regular season, but you know, you send uh, Devondre Campbell or Chris Barnes on a blitz right now. Um, I should I shouldn't say right now. Earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me was a productive use of uh, linebackers and kind of helped keep the keep opposing offenses kind of honest. I, I liked it. Uh, and, and I think that they've done a good job of sort of mixing up a gap blitzes with, you know, Devondre Campbell has been blitzing periodically. Chris Barnes has had his moments trying to get to the quarterback. You mentioned Oren Burks. He has good speed. Uh, you know, this group has played at a much higher level this year than they have. And and I think part of that is Joe Barry putting the players that he has at his disposal in a in the best possible position to maximize their strengths and cover up their weaknesses. And I think it's been very effective this year. And and you know, between the players that we have and the new defensive style, it's it's paid dividends. Next position group to take a look at is the safeties. And it's a little interesting what we see here. Adrian Amos has not been very effective in coverage outside of the Seattle game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to an extent against Kansas City and whatever you think Washington has to offer, which I'm not sure how much that is. But he has really excelled as a bullet, which what does Joe Barry call that position? The star It's a star. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a box safety. Really? He has excelled at that. His run defense is through the roof. He's one of the best tacklers on the team. Um, his his overall uh, play, when you consider how often he's in coverage, his overall play has kind of been trending, I think, in the wrong direction. Uh, over the last few years, we have seen a uh, as particular. It was most notable last year. You saw th- both of the safeties had slow starts to the year, and then around like week ten or eleven, started to get hot. And we had Came crazy on good big time, yeah, two crazy good safeties to end the year. 
And I kind of thought we were going to see that with Amos starting in week 10 against Seattle when he had uh, a 90 coverage grade, 92 overall grade that week, his best Mm -hmm. week of the season. Um, Since then, though, he has been a liability in coverage. And I'm not I am not uh, as sophisticated as a guy like Jerry Gray to be able to say definitively, you know, uh, it looks like this is an Amos assignment that he's blowing, but really somebody else blew it and Amos is coming over to clean up. So I'm going to leave a little wiggle room for that, but I am noticing him on the field too often now and not in a good way. He's the, the most notable uh, incident recently was uh, the massive completion to Justin Jefferson and Amos did down him at like the one yard line or something, mm-hmm. the one and a half yard line. Uh, that was kind of the, the first time I had noticed him being a liability in coverage, but that has not corrected itself since then. So that is something that if I am an opposing offensive coordinator, I might not be afraid to target uh, Adrian Amos in the passing game right now. That's something he needs to get cleaned up and get back to where he normally plays, which is uh, better, well above average in coverage. Well, the thing I always like about Amos, you know, he doesn't make a lot of flashy plays necessarily, but he's smart. He is consistent. He's usually in the right place. You're not going to see him get burned very often mm-hmm. uh, for for the big play. And that is an emphasis. Well, outside of the last two team, weeks. Yeah. Right. But the whole defense had that issue the last two weeks. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, and, and you know, you break down the all 22. It wasn't just an Adrian Amos situation. Actually, uh, hang on. Hang on. Uh, two weeks ago against the Vikings, that statement was true. Last week against the Rams, I th- I think it was mostly only true of Amos. Well, Chandon Sullivan got beat on one of those two long passes. You had you had the two bombs against you had the one to OBJ. One yep, there's the Rasul Douglas let up a big bomb despite uh, having like the best game of anybody any <laughs> defense defensive back has had all season with right. four pass breakups and a pick six. Yeah. Uh, by the way, shout out to Rasul Douglas, uh, NFC. What is it? Defensive, Defensive player, of the week? player of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy good game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So, I, I mean, you know, other than that though, before the last two weeks, this team has done an excellent job of limiting those splash plays and those splash plays killed the Packers in 2018, 2019, even, even in 2020 at times. So, so good to see them limit those. And if you think about it, even the game against the Rams, Green Bay was already ahead. What was it? 36 to 17 or something like that. Mm-hmm. At the time they gave up those two big plays. So uh, not that you want to see them give them up, but they didn't come at a time when, you know, the game outcome was seriously in doubt. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it's something to keep an eye on. You want to see Amos, you know, regain that consistency that he's demonstrated over the his first two and a half years with the Packers. But to me, uh, overall, this defense is getting the job done against the big play. The other safety, of course, Darnell Savage. He has been solid in coverage, especially over that stretch where Amos has dipped a little bit. Uh, Savage has 
really uh, come on. And I think the biggest thing you think of right now with Savage's game is all of the missed opportunities for interceptions where you feel like he should have come up with it. I think in the Minnesota game he had, it was either three or four uh, passes that should have been interceptions. Uh, one of them was, but it was called back by penalty. Uh, I think he dropped two. Yep. Those are things, you know, Savage is now in his third year. Those are some things that he can be focusing on to try and clean up. Um, and in the same breath, I will say <laughs> Eric Stokes needs to stop trying to go for interceptions right now, because when they're, when those 50, 50 balls are hanging up in the air, he just kind of gets lost. He's like looking around for the ball. The receiver kind of keeps making him pay kind of doesn't really matter who it is um, in those situations. Basically since the uh, Deandre Hopkins 50, 50 ball, uh, Mm -hmm. what five weeks ago. Now we kind of have consistently seen those where he's, pretty solid except for when he's trying to play the ball when he's playing his his uh receiver he's pretty much been on lockdown recently and when he tries to play the ball which as a coach i I see where you want him to play the ball but i think right now the game is a little bit fast for him there's a little bit too much for him to be trying to focus on just focus on making sure you're not giving up the completions especially those big completions on those deep 50 50 balls and, and don't worry about so much about the uh, interceptions because those are something you can work on once you get the basics really nailed down. His biggest issue is following the ball in the air. Yeah. He has good speed. He, he has a good work ethic. He wants to improve. He has a short memory, which every defensive back in this league needs to have. But follow, and this was the scouting report on him coming out of college. Following the ball in the air is his biggest problem, and it still costs him, and he gives up some big plays now and again as a result of that failure. And the key question is, A, can that be coached? Can that be something he improves on? And then B, can you live with it? And I think the answer to B is yes, because most of the time he does a very good job overall, but there's always that one or two plays a game where you hold your breath because he's in position, but he still isn't going to make the play. All right. To your question of, can you live with it? Let's put a pin in that because I want to come back to that when we get to our listener questions. So listeners just remember that, uh, that point, uh, last corner to talk about, um, because I, I have no real complaints with, with Shannon Sullivan. He is who you think he is. Uh, Kevin King is, an enigma wrapped in a mystery and dipped in intrigue. And <laughs> then he's got a nice confusion sauce on him in terms of how the heck do you evaluate this guy? He's all over the place. He has only played six games this year uh, from week five through week 10. He played three games and he was PFF's highest graded corner through those three games, <laughs> actually through that five game stretch <laughs> when he didn't even play two of those games. He was the highest graded corner. And then you've got games like week 11 where he had a 29 overall grade, a 28 coverage grade. I just don't know how to evaluate him. He is so hot and cold and it also misses so much time 
it's nice to have him. But if you are an opposing offensive coordinator trying to game plan, I don't think you have any freaking clue whether you can target him or not, because he might really make you pay or he might not. I, I think I would just totally stay away from him. Honestly, if I was an opposing offensive coordinator with the way he's been playing this year, uh, the New Orleans game in week one was a game where he was basically who he had been in 2020. You know, the the Kevin King that we all remember from the NFC Championship game. He was kind of that same guy in week one versus the Saints. Since then, it's not even close. He's a totally different player. Mm-hmm. And I just I just don't think that I think the sample size is so small and so sporadic because he played weeks one, two, five, nine, ten, eleven, and he's out again with injury. Just if you're an offensive coordinator, stay away from Kevin King because you have no clue what who he is this year. So it's high risk, high reward. I mean, uh, he, he is consistently inconsistent when he's healthy, which is almost rare. Uh, and, and he's playing his game, he can be a very effective corner. And like you said, we saw that for several games midseason, but he's rarely healthy and he is so inconsistent. He would be, you know, if everybody is healthy on this team and you have a top five cornerback room of Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Kevin King, Chandon Sullivan, and Rasul Douglas, Find me a better top five cornerback room in the league if all of those guys are healthy. Last point on Kevin King, and they were moving off of the defensive backs. NFL passer rating uh, allowed against Kevin King this season. This is week by week. Ready? Yep. 158, 116, 90, 58, 16. <laughs> one fifty eight again. So yep. week one and week eleven, he both gave up a one fifty eight, which is basically a perfect uh, passer rating. And then in between, he went from one sixteen all the way down to sixteen. Uh, yeah. The the biggest thing that I can say seems consistent about Kevin King is that uh, you you can be productive against him in the deep passing game, and then the short passing game he really uh, has been locked down. Kevin King is a slot corner. No complaints. No complaints. No, no. Um, he has played the ma- majority of his sl- uh, snaps this year have been um, on the, on the right side, but, but doesn't seem to be uh, deep, uh, deep, deep plays for most of the year. Anyways, moving on to the defensive line. And then we're going to wrap up defense real quick. Um, Dean Lowry, we talked about in the middle of the season as really playing good quality football. His last solid week was against the chiefs. Since then it has been abysmal. So he has a three game stretch of being one of the worst interior defenders in football. <laughs> That's got to change. Yep. Um, during that time, the uh, running backs he was facing were who who was the running back for uh, the Seahawks that week? Oh, uh, Rashad, Rashad Penny, I think. Penny, yeah. And then Dalvin Cook and um, and Henderson for the Rams, right? Which was his worst performance. Um, as a pass rusher, he has regressed to about average. He was well above average for. Mm, 
a five game stretch in the middle of the year. And then Kenny Clark next to him, basically in the exact same time span, uh, starting in week nine against Kansas City, Kenny Clark has been playing horrible football. I mean, this is this is awful by not even just Kenny Clark standards, by standards of, of the league. His only uh, good trait in the last five weeks has been his pass rush. And he has one sack in that time span. He has three sacks on the whole season. Two of those came in one week against uh, Chicago. Uh, But outside of that, he's had uh, one sack. But he does have a... uh, He he sort of sometimes has a good tackling grade. Well, he has four sacks. Four sacks on the year. When was his other one? He got two against Chicago, one against the Rams. That's all I see. One against... Two against Chicago... One against the Rams. Hold on. I'm looking. I'll, I only... One against San Francisco. PFF does not credit him with one for San Francisco. Where are you seeing... Which, which side uh, Pro football reference. Okay. I like them. Well, we'll go with four. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll go with four. Okay. Uh, he has missed uh, quite a few tackles um, in the last few weeks. His uh, his tackling grade has kind of been improving over the last four weeks, though. So that's good to see. Um, but overall run defense and I have noticed uh, seems like kind of the the anti Devondre Campbell. When you okay. hit Kenny Clark, you can push him back four or five yards recently. Mm-hmm. That's got to change. Anything else you want to touch on with the defense or are you ready to look at our receivers? Let's flip it. Okay, we're not touching uh, Devontae. Here's the deal with Randall Cobb. He is hot once in a while, and he's uh, pretty cold most of the rest of the time. He had uh, his best week was against Pittsburgh. His second best week was against the Rams. Outside of that, uh, he had a good game against Detroit and a good game against Cincinnati and a okay game against Arizona the rest of the year he's been uh really pretty average and the one area that I don't think you really expect him to contribute a lot because of his age his run blocking is is pretty poor outside of uh, a two-game stretch Chicago and Washington uh two not great teams the rest of the year his run blocking has been pretty poor he's kind of just one of those Packers offensive players who once in a great while has a hot game kind of like MVS uh, or EQ. And if you happen to catch him on a good day, hooray outside of that, he hasn't really been super reliable this year. Well, Alan look, Le- he's your, he's your fourth receiver. He is Randall your Cobb. Fourth, yes. He is your fourth receiver on this roster. When everyone's healthy, Devante MVS Lazard Cobb. That's the top I four. Strongly disagree with that. Lazard has been awful this year. Lazard has I, been I, injured most of this year. But if everyone's healthy, I think Cobb is wide receiver four. Maybe as a slot guy, he could be your your number one slot guy. Although Devante takes a lot of snaps in the slot these days. But uh, to me, Cobb is your fourth option on well, most Liz- plays. Lazard, Lazard has played ten games so far this year. He's only missed one game two. and 
If he's played ten, he's missed two. Six. He missed eight and eleven. Right. Missed two games. The rest of the year he's played. He's been awful outside of the Chicago game where everybody was good. <laughs> I, I I don't think you can play the when healthy game because when are you expecting him to get healthy? He's has not. If you're saying he's been bad from week w- one through 12 because he's been hurt that whole time, when are you expecting him to start playing good? He's he's getting worse since week six. He, and he has not had a great year. I'm not disputing that, but the I, biggest I am... issue with Lazard's game to me has been in the past. His bread and butter has been those uh, those, you know, crucial like third and ten passes yep. when he's just been money. And this year, I mean, how many has he come up with? Like two, maybe he's he, dropped, he's dropped a bunch passes this year. Yes. Yes. And, and, has, and he... yeah. Yeah, the, he, he the, has the few not things been, that he was historically really good at. He has not been able to do this year. Well, run blocking is one of the other ones. Uh, OK, so run block. Now, why is this not even have his run blocking on here? His pass blocking is is decent. Um, yeah, he's as far as receivers go, he's a pretty good blocker, both run and pass. And, you know, the one thing that that he's very good at. Oh, here, I found, uh, in, a, I found his the, run blocking. Hang on a second. Okay, go uh, ahead. Go Pitts, ahead. Pittsburgh, Chicago, Kansas City. Those were the three games where he had uh, good run blocking grades. The rest of the year, he's had terrible, not just average, but terrible. He had three good games, and then the other, uh, what, nine or uh, eight of those have been terrible run blocking grades. Yeah, which is which is interesting. But he's what he the one thing he's great at uh, uh, in the passing game, when you make those quick, you know, wide receiver screens and quick uh, passes to Devante and you're allowed to only, you know, block one yard within the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He, he is one of their best blockers among receivers on those kind of plays. EQ is a guy who has, I think, come up. Uh, in crucial situations a yep. lot of times in the last few weeks since and uh, on special teams the roster. Gr- oh my gosh. Fantastic special teams player yep. last week yep. la- against the Rams. He had two like jaw dropping uh, special teams plays. And one of those uh, was negated because of a penalty on the Rams. Right. <laughs> st- which was like, okay. Uh, I, I almost wish that that, uh, play could have stood because it was just so impressive, but it is better that we get to keep the ball. (laughs) Yeah. We got Uh, the first down. So yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right. So, uh, outside of that, as a receiver, he's had uh, one good game, but I I think you look at all the times when he has really come up in just a crucial game changing moment when Rogers absolutely needs a conversion, like fourth down at the goal line game on the line. EQ comes up with the catch. Mm-hmm. We've had several situations like that. Got to give him a shout out. Um, as far as tight ends, you got Dominique Daphne has been playing uh, pretty good, but it's like all as a blocker, hardly any as a receiver. Right. He's well, run that's back. His role. Yeah. Run blocking and pass blocking doing a fantastic job. And and the only, the only uh, thing I would offer as a, a contradiction to the that's his role is just who else do you have? You got Deguara, but I mean, who right. else do you have it's in the tight end room? 
tight end big room dog. at this point. Big, big dog. And Davis. Those are the other two guys on the active roster right now. Because oh, Tunyon is gone. We don't for talk the about Davis around here. <laughs> well, there's no reason to. He he he's <laughs> exactly. out there for five plays a game and on special teams. I mean, and he is also predominantly a blocker, although he does have what one catch, two catches this year. Deguara's got a uh, kind of a, a crazy thing where he basically has two hot weeks, two cold weeks, two hot weeks, yeah. two cold weeks, and not really a lot of average mixed in. He's either playing great football or horrific football. And uh, he's still learning at this point. This, I mean, he had four, you know, he was injured in week four as a rookie and really only played in two games. And in one of them, he didn't finish it because he got hurt. So, you know, this is, this is his rookie year for all intents and purposes. And he's learning. And obviously with Tunyon done for the season, Deguara is being thrust into a bigger role than he was, you know, expecting or that the Packers were thinking he was going to do, but you know, the, the beautiful thing about the, the green Bay offense is they scheme the tight ends open very well. And it may only be one or two catches a game. You know, big dog gets to usually one or two catches a game. Deguara gets one or two catches a game. Uh, Daphne gets one every two or three games, but somehow when they do get those catches, they matter. And and I, I think with DeGuara, we're seeing the growing pains right now. Well, we just covered everybody who catches the ball outside of the running backs. And if it has felt like the passing game has been hot and cold this year, it has been. Mm-hmm. Whenever defenses are able to take Devontae out of the game, we have not had anybody else really stepping up outside of you have a game or two here or there where Cobb or EQ or uh, Deguara have stepped up for a bit. And outside of that, it has been a problem. Passing game has been a problem. The good news is that Aaron Rodgers has, uh, been improving dramatically. I mean, really dramatically The level of his play this year has been steadily improving for a while. That has been really key to the offense continuing to go. Uh, one of the issues, one of the big issues is when we've been talking about this for a while with the offensive line, their pass blocking has been adequate enough. Uh, they're keeping Rogers clean. That's all you can ask from the level of patchwork, which is amazing when you consider when you consider the injuries. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our our third stringers are now our starters. That's just the reality. Uh, help is probably not coming outside of maybe Josh Myers comes back at some point this year. Uh, hopefully David Bakhtiari comes back uh, before playoff time, mm-hmm. but we still, you know, still, still no movement on, on either of those front, but the run blocking has been a problem and all year. The, it has been a problem all year. And the, the biggest side effect that you're seeing of that is Aaron Jones's production has gone down dramatically because AJ Dillon has been able to get hit and keep going. You know, he gets hit at the line of scrimmage and he's able to still plow ahead for yards. Aaron Jones being smaller just has really struggled to do that this year. And if we want Aaron Jones to have a role on this offense, the the run blocking has to improve because he can't do anything when there's no run blocking at all. And that's what the situation we have. There's no run blocking at all. 
all of the magic is being done by Aaron, uh, by AJ Dillon with no help from the offensive line. And Aaron Jones, as talented as he is, he's just kind of too small to do that in the way that AJ Dillon has. The run blocking has to get better. And that is the number one thing that I think if you are an opposing defensive coordinator, you can try and take advantage of is uh, if you can get the Packers to get away from running the ball, the offense does sputter in a way because there are not the uh, level of uh, second and third receivers behind Devontae that there have been for the last couple of years. Well, you know, despite the the addition of Randall Cobb. Well, the the great second and third receivers, really, when he's healthy, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Dillon has been great as a receiver out of the backfield. He is more nimble than most 220-pound guys, let alone 247-pound guys. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, the, the, the lack of a secondary wide receiver has come into play. And, you know, the running game, to me, what we saw against the Rams was very telling because you look at the numbers and I think the Packers averaged as a team 2.9 yards per rush against the Rams. And yet they kept running the ball. They ran, what was it? 31 times last week against LA time of possession, 39 minutes and change for the Packers, 20 minutes and change for the Rams. They put up, you know, they could have easily had 40 points. They put up, what was it? 36. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, not abandoning the running game, even when it's not getting the long game by both, uh, Dylan and Jones last week was eight yards, but the fact that they didn't give it up, they kept pounding the ball, kept the Rams offense off the field. And look, if, if, uh, if you can kick an extra point and make that one field goal, you have 40 points right there. That's even without getting more production in the red zone to me, not abandoning the running game is a key. And I think when you get Bakhtiari and, and Myers back, if you get Bakhtiari and Myers back, your run blocking should improve a little bit as well. All right. Time to take a look at our uh, listener question. We got two. These come from uh, goose longtime listener, longtime friend of the show. Yep. All right. Question number one. Why on offense are we going to empty so often? Is it being dictated by the defense and how effective has it been? Uh, I would say it is being dictated by a few things. Number one is injuries. Number two is down in distance. And I think you touched on it. The run blocking hasn't been as good. How often are we seeing the Packers come up with second and eight? second and seven, second and 10, uh, even with penalties sometimes, second and 15, second and 20. You need, uh, you know, you go to those receiver sets or or sometimes empty does mean Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon are lined up as a wide receiver. So I, I think it's down in distance that's partially been responsible for it. Um. And I think the that defenses have dictated it to an extent. I think injuries have dictated it to an extent. Uh, but I think the offense has been better the last few weeks mm-hmm. than it has been earlier in the season. What are you what are your thoughts? Well, what you know, one of the things that you see is that when 
uh, opposing defenses go ahead and move one of the safeties up closer, you know, more into the box. I, I think that part of this has had to do with Green Bay recognizing that they really do struggle in run blocking. And I'm not sure why they're not still leaving the threat of play action out there. Uh, but but I, I, I do think that part of it has to do with just, you know, when when the defense really tries to tee off to stop the run. Uh, I think that they would rather have the uh, running backs lined up as receivers, like you say. As for how successful it's been, usually I'm upset when I see them go empty, but it it has paid off a much higher percentage of the time than um, than I, I would have thought it would. Mm-hmm. It, it has, and and yeah, I, I I also prefer that they allow the threat of the run. But I think there's one other uh, factor involved in it, and that is, in at least recently, I think Aaron Rodgers' toe has been a factor over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. where it's probably better for him to line up in shotgun more often rather than being under center. And I think that has a little something to do with their willingness to spread it out a little bit more over the last couple of games. To get real specific, the Packers have run 43 uh plays so far this season with no backs in the backfield. Their successful play rate on those plays is 49%. Mm-hmm. So okay. it, it it's interesting that the numbers are also a little bit strange in that from that formation, they actually have some running plays. And my guess is that those would be jet sweeps. Right. The end around and the jet sweep. So if you factor those out and only look at just pure passing plays, then the successful pass percentage is 53%. And then I think you have to add the fact that if you're going with no backs, you're probably looking at, you know, third down and, and long rather than third and two or third and three most of the time. So with with 43% not percent 43 plays with um nobody in the backfield what would you just guess from an outside looking in uh how many of those were passing plays and how many were running plays just out of 43 how many think how many do you think were runs 5 actually 11 and the yards wow. per carry is 4.4 okay which is not bad. which is yeah uh, on, for the passing plays in those situations, yards per attempt is 7.8. Now, for uh, comparison, in 11 personnel, which is the uh, grouping the Packers use the most often, which is one mm-hmm. running back, one tight end, three wide receivers, their yards per attempt there is 8.2 yards. Better. So it, it is better. Overall, I would say I don't think it is a particularly uh, – good strategy but it is i think you are also probably in those situations tending to put more tight ends on the field sometimes and just really lean into trying to protect aaron Rodgers, and and his toe lately might be part of that if you're just trying to really keep him 
up right as far. So that would be. Uh, well, I think that you have the toe and then you have the the fact that you're without Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari and you need to help Yash out with those yeah. tight ends, with running backs, with uh, or with. Uh, on occasion, Alan Lazard or EQ, a big wide receiver with a physical, uh, you know, the ability to get a little physical and chip. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with injuries, strategy. Uh, and then there's the other thing. By doing that, you make opposing defenses scout that play, prepare for that play, uh, and and maybe makes them hesitate depending on, you know, the formation that you're in. It, you know, it's something else they have to learn, be aware of, and that you can deviate from at the right moment to try to set up a different play. So it's there. Uh, question number two, uh, looking at our defense, what is it that the Vikings and Rams did differently to attack our defense over the last two weeks? And could it be something we see more from other teams? One thing I, I really noticed was that the passing game was having more success especially on those deep shots and on screen on screen passes. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the intermediate passes were not particularly more effective than they have been again, you know, with other teams, but the deep shots were kind of paying off and it was, it was an interesting marriage between the run game and the screen game. I thought, um, and you notice that those two games have also kind of coincided with a big drop in the play quality of the defensive line. Right. Um, you know, and it's worth noting that that also coincides with when we didn't have Whitney Merciless who yes. was a very, very good uh, pass rusher. We're also missing Rashawn for a week. Mm hmm. You know, the other guys on that defensive line, just by virtue of the fact that there's nobody else there to help them are, I think, maybe trying to do too much because they kind of have to. And yeah. they're being stretched in ways that they were not previously when they were kind of able to more just worry about the interior. That to me has maybe been a bigger deal than how those opposing offenses have attacked them. It, it, to me, it feels more like. Uh, an issue with the losses of of players. But I will also say, though, the deep shots have been more effective recently. And I, and I think part of that has had to do with Adrian Amos has not been as effective on those deep plays um, in, in assisting and cleaning up uh, with with the other defensive backs. And he has been playing a lot more in the box uh, mm -hmm. as that bullet slash star position, um, which, which is all because he has to, because we are missing so many guys up front. He's had to play up there more. So I think, I think those are the, the big factors. I think it is. And I think, look, the other thing is you look at the Minnesota game, Kirk cousins, just, you know what? They were low percentage passes and the guy made plays. And sometimes you got to just tip your hat that, you know, Justin Jefferson came up big, Look, one of the long touchdowns, if I recall correctly, last week, Chandon Sullivan slipped. The other one was uh, a misjudging in the air by Eric Stokes, which we have seen countless times. Mm -hmm. uh, you, to me, I, I'm not so worried about it yet at this point. Uh, 
the the two long touchdowns against the Rams, one of them, the game was more or less out of reach at that point. The, the, the one to OBJ, um, I still think overall, this team has done a better job of preventing those long plays and losing Rashawn and Whitney, uh, merciless definitely gave uh, the opposing teams more time to throw the football. And that was a factor if it keeps going on against Chicago next week, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get concerned. But as yeah. of right now, I'm a little concerned, but not seriously concerned that this is going to be a big time problem. All right. We got one last uh, topic we are going to key in on before we get out of here. We kind of ran out of time to talk about the playoff picture, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, playoffs are still a ways off. We're going to talk about the MP- MVP race because it's been a topic that uh, has been heating up. And the the real question here is, should Aaron Rodgers be in consideration for the MVP? I, let's not touch on the vaccination issue. That's totally separate. We'll just, we'll just talk about does the quality of his play put him in the, in the conversation for MVP. And I think there's only to me because I don't think a wide receiver is going to win it. Right. Which uh, eliminates Devonte Adams and uh, Cooper cup. Mm-hmm. I don't think that any defensive player is going to win it this year because they never do. So your options to me are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and Jonathan Taylor. Those I think are the only, is there anybody I'm not thinking of who should be in the conversation right now? No, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think Rogers is in the conversation, but I don't think he, like if there were a final three, I don't think he's in the final three. Uh, is he in the final five or six? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just listed five guys, right? Uh, here, here's the biggest issue that maybe takes Kyler Murray out of the running is how much time he's missed. The last time he Correct. played was week eight. Uh, and I, I forget if he played the whole game, but he did not play well in that game. Against he Green had, Bay? Uh, oh, yes, that, you're right. That was Green Bay. So he has not played since then. Right. Um, and I didn't think he was particularly great in that game against Green Bay. No, he wasn't. The first seven weeks of the year, he was uh, certainly uh, the best quarterback in football, you know, maybe a guy we should maybe think about is Kirk Cousins, but I, I just don't know if there's enough there. Well, I think if your team is, you know, barely at 500, it's going to be tough to give that guy the MVP. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's that. That's fair. Now, if they if they uh, were to get hot and finish the season, you know, running the table, that is a good argument for Kirk Cousins. Mm hmm. But it is worth noting, we just talked about Kirk Cousins two weeks ago because we were going to play against him. Well, in the Green Bay game and the San Francisco game the following week, he dropped off. He had been the best quarterback in football. He had two pretty terrible games in a row since then, one of them being the Packers. To me, I think as of right now, Kirk Cousins and Kyler Murray are not in the running, but I think both of them could work their way back in. Yeah, I think that's accurate. To me, Tom Brady is uh, ahead of everybody else on this short list. And I think Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen have extremely similar cases to make. 
the the kind of the difference you see between the two of them is that since uh really honestly since week three san francisco he's had uh basically one not great game that was seattle when he had just come back from uh missing a week and had the toe fracture right outside of that he has been consistently uh very very good Mm -hmm. uh great even i would call him uh, the, the and, and Josh is, Allen has had a few bad games and a few elite games, which were better than any of Rogers mixed right. in there. So consistency versus the hot and cold. Yep. And, but I think that the thing that's going to hurt Rogers is this. You look at his numbers last year when he won the MVP, his numbers are going to be nowhere near that. Now that was the second best statistical season by quarterback rating in NFL history. But he is not having the same year he had a year ago, but again, he's got five games left. So how does he finish? You know, if he throws 15 touchdown passes and no interceptions the rest of the way, you're, you're not quite where he was last year with 48 touchdowns, but you know, it, I, I just, I also do think, and it shouldn't be an issue, but I think it is. I think the whole vaccination thing will cost him votes. Uh well, again, just, again, we're 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 not getting into that because that's no, I, no. I, I, I'm I'm not judging it on the merits. I'm just stating what I think is going to be a fact that yeah. the the fact that a lot of people feel that he was not honest about his vaccination status, not that he didn't get the vaccine, but that he was not upfront about it, is going to cost him some votes. People, people, members of the media are going to hold that against him. I think some of them. All right, uh, I think that's probably fair. Uh, to me right now, there are two, t- the, there's two top tiers um, for the MVP. You can't ignore the season that Tom Brady is having. I would put Tom Brady and Jonathan Taylor in the same tier. Number one, and just below them, I would put Rogers and Josh Allen behind them, probably Kyler Murray and Kirk cousins. And I, and I would again, describe them as not, uh, really in the mix right now, but within but, striking distance, if they kind of turn things around still, mm-hmm. I think that's so, about right. That's where I would put it. That's can we, uh, can we say that's the, the no huddle uh, consensus? <laughs> <take>? Yeah, yes. <laughs> that is All the right. consensus. Yes. Well, I, I gotta be honest. I do. I, I do not miss seeing the Packers this week because I have I it has hurt my heart so much to watch them go out there as banged up as they are and continue to get hurt. I just want them to go put their feet up and relax, get off my TV screen, go rest up and get healthy, for gosh sakes. <laughs> it, it should only be it should only be. And look, uh, and the other thing is, obviously, Devondre Campbell has to get healthy and off the covid reserve list. Uh, hopefully he won't miss any time as a result of that. We don't know whether he's a close contact or he has the. Uh, Positive test, but we'll oh yeah, he, he did have a positive test. Yeah, yeah positive. Test. Okay, yeah, okay, that's been confirmed. Thank you. Yep. So we'll see, but uh, hopefully he won't miss any time. That's the uh, that's the benefit. One of the benefits of the bye week. Fingers crossed. Prayers for Devondre Campbell and everybody else who is uh, close to getting healthy and back on this team. That does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can also email us at askmohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! 
Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.